I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me, and this is episode 83 of Inside AgriTurf. Those in the turf industry who are active on social media, and Facebook in particular, will almost certainly try and connect with like-minded industry groups on the platform. One of the most active and prominent in recent years has been Lawn Care Legends, a community of independent turf care contractors who share stories about recent contracts, challenging locations. They show off beautiful striped lawns, discuss equipment preferences, transport options, they compare charging rates and and so much more. And from that has emerged a spin-off group, the Dealer Network who use the platform for hard-to-get machines and spare parts, offer surplus machines, workshop tools and equipment, share experiences with customers, seek advice from other dealers on complex service issues, and engage in banter about the trials and tribulations of everyday trading. Now, both groups were the brainchild of my guest today, Northern Ireland-based turf contractor John Ryan, And with everybody well aware that social media can become a hornet's nest of competitive and often malicious content, I want to know about the origins of the groups and how John keeps control on the postings so that they remain honest and respectful. But first, perhaps, who is John Ryan? Well, I I currently find myself in Northern Ireland, but I'm originally from the Republic. My wife is from Northern Ireland, so ended up up here in the pursuit of uh, young love, as as it would be. Um, And the background with my my history is that uh, I left school when I was 14 years old. Uh, no form, no formal qualifications. Uh, pretty much been in the service industry since, and uh, my my kind of background has varied from uh, everything in the service industry of grounds maintenance, commercial uh, commercial cleaning uh, si- sector of the service industry, um, property maintenance, grounds control for uh, property management companies, uh, whether they're estate agents and uh, management committees and places like that. And then when I moved up to Northern Ireland for a small spell, I worked in the hire industry as well. And I was a young 20-something-year-old manager of a three-man branch. And uh, I took that store uh, from 100 grand a year to over £627,000 a year within a 12-month period. Um, So when it comes to operating of business, regardless of what sector uh, I've ever been in. The thing that has always really interested me is the development of business strategies and how do people scale from being small one-man operations to multiple crews, or how do you take a small branch or, or retail outlet or a higher store and projected on further than the the limitations of where it currently was. And so there's a lot of things there from my background uh, of the guy on the ground w- using the tools to understanding where the ind- where industries are affected. So when I was in the hire industry, it was more or less a case of working on the relationships with the guys on the different uh, construction companies, uh, different uh, kind of companies, whether they were in grounds care or or whatever and understanding what their needs were 
And then obviously, what kind of ability as a provider of tools and equipment, how could I be able to find my way in there to be able to facilitate that? So there's a, a huge combination of different things from my background that have led me to the point of building on communities, uh, building on uh, the relationships that I see between the guy who's using the tools and the guy who's providing the tools. And that's no different whether you're a professional end user or whether you're a dealer taking supply from a manufacturer or distributor. Uh, again, it'll always boil down to the relationships and the determination to grow a business. So when when I kind of filter out the differences of opinion, because it's very politically challenging in, in this industry where everybody either thinks that they're in a station above other people. So you might have some people who might have multiple crews or been operating for 20 years and look down their nose at the guy who's just starting out. You might have a dealer who views the the self-employed contractor as a bit of a pain in the backside. And equally so, the further up the ladder you go, there's always that kind of uh, element of how people perceive others in the industry. So when I kind of filter out those divisions and take it away and strip it down to the bare uh, bare essentials of what's there, we're all in business. And the only thing that really motivates me uh, is I want to see if if it's possible to be able to bring about better dialogue, better communication, so that we can all do better business. Yeah. So the key is is communication then, John. Number really. one. Number it one, it yeah. all boils down to that at the end. So really, how did Lawn Care Legends start and when did that start? Um, that started back in 2017. Uh, we had, uh, at the time, there was a bit of a movement on social media. I, I've been following a lot of things that have been happening on social media within the industry since 2013. Uh, particularly in America, there was a lot of YouTubers and guys who are coming out starting to create vlogs about their day-to-day -day stories of building their business and their experience. And over the course of the years from, I would say, 2014 through to 2017, there was lots of different developments between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. And the initiation of live streaming and being able to build those kind of communities and everybody, each platform was trying to compete with each other. And so at one point you had, uh, I think was it Twitter came out with a new app. I, I forget the name of it now, which was the first platform to be able to allow live streaming and people were able to in, in, engage with that. So they were, they were coming from YouTube to this platform to be able to do uh, live streaming. And then Facebook followed suit and then Facebook became a place of where a lot of conversations were held. Uh, so you had this kind of divide between the different platforms that provided something unique to the community that was building more and more people being on online. So by the time 2017 rolled around, there was definitely more Facebook groups were popping up. Uh, There's some in America, there was some in the UK and Lone Care Legends what I noticed with some groups was that people might ask a very uh, inquisitive question, trying to learn from anybody who is willing to share experience or knowledge and quickly getting shot down by somebody else who might think, well, that's a stupid question to ask. And that's OK if you've got the 20 years of experience, whereas the guy who's asking the question um, then either feels humiliated and is reluctant to ask the question again. 
And because I love all aspects of business, I've always, uh, I'd, I, I was frustrated by this. So I wanted to create a place where those questions could be asked without the fear of it turning into a bit of a, a mob witch hunt by those who would be keyboard warriors, if you want, for a better so, so word. We're to- so we're talking about uh, independent uh, lawn care operatives. Uh, what would you put? What would you think was the, the the key concerns, the key issues that they were really w- wanting to discuss and wanting to help from others? Because when you're independent, you look for help from all quarters and you obviously yes. look for help from your peers as well. So uh, what were the main concerns then, John? Probably the biggest question that still comes up to this date for the guys who are trying to learn or gain that experience is the pricing of their of their work. Um, sometimes it's just very, very difficult to get a handle on what is a fair price to, to give to a customer. And, and there can be a number of factors that come into play here. One, one could be that the, the customers or the marketplace can dictate a certain level of value that they deem fair for that kind of work. So then automatically there are certain limitations to a person's thinking because a customer might not be willing to pay more than what is fair in their eyes. Uh, more than once I've come across individuals who may be a, a professor who works in a college and when they sit down and work out how much a professional is getting paid for the hour, uh, they're like, well, I don't even get paid that and I've got my college degree and I, I work in a university. And so there's almost like this differentiation of uh, the costings that are involved. So when it comes to long care legends, those, those kind of questions will come up often enough by the, the guys who are looking to learn. And then we try to encourage them to see a broader picture that this is not based on the value that somebody else sets. Somebody might come from employment and then quickly realize that 20, 25 pound an hour might sound like an attractive, you know, uh, wage to be earning. But by the time they deduct their costs and everything, they could be earning less than minimum wage. And, so, and, and of course, each, each job, each contract has a different criteria to it, hasn't it? So it's, exactly, it's yeah. a very movable feast in terms of what you charge, but it must be very useful to get a yardstick from other yes. members on, on what they've charged for various jobs. And gradually from that comes out a, 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 a kind of yardstick that they can they yes. can use. It, it's never exact, is it? Uh, no, tell me, exactly. um, obviously, there are a lot of people cutting grass. Do do, do you encompass it and in membership those that work for national concerns or franchises? Yeah, um, my, my opinion would be that the broader the diversity of the membership within the industry, the better uh, the input of. Uh, exploring outside the normal box of of thinking when it comes to running a business. So somebody who's in a national company might be able to offer a different perspective without the confines or restricted thinking of somebody who's worrying about where their next meal is going to come from or, or, or where they're going to get their next job or the impending economic crisis that might reduce their customer count over the course of the next season. So, yeah, we do have a, a broad range of different types of people from the industry, everything from the small solo operator gardener through to the multi-crew uh, commercial uh, contractors. We do have individuals from certain franchises. Uh, I think we've even got the the founder of Green Thumb is also one of the members in Lone Care Legends as well, uh, Stephen Warner. 
So, you know, we have representatives from manufacturers, we have dealers, um, and we try to have that diverse input so that there can be a better dialogue of conversation that maybe can chip away at false perceptions that are perceived in the in the industry. So one of these, for instance, could be around the narrative of dealers. Why are dealers so, uh, why, why we have them in Lone Care Legends is because it allows them to have an input to educate the professional end user uh, a bit of insight into their side of the industry rather than just what they might deem as, well, I buy online or I buy secondhand. And those are legitimate choices. But the investment in a dealership is a good reason to go down uh, as a business choice for X, Y, and Z reason. And that's good to have them inclusive in that conversation. And, and you've mentioned dealers now, uh, John, and, and you've obviously set up a new group, the yep. Dealer Network, uh, which has kind of morphed out of Lawn Care Legends. Uh, what was the what was the reason for setting that up as a separate group? Because they are different. Obviously, yes. uh, the, the contractors are are operators and the customers, and the and the dealers are the suppliers, and they have different relationships. Yeah. Yep. What was the thinking behind actually setting those up as two separate groups? Well, back in 2017, over the course of so it was July 2017 when Lone Care Legends was created, and by January 2018, um, a number of dealers had approached me uh, who were included in the membership in Lone Care Legends. They liked the the dynamics of how that group was being formulated, and came to me uh, for my. I suppose, unique perspective of having set up a group and my experience with that and the challenges that were coming with it. Um, so there was three original dealers. You had Ashley Bevan, you had Ryan Poala Higgins, and, and you had Ollie Cowan. And these three dealers came to me and asked, John, could you help us set up something like this for dealers? So we put together then the four of us, our, our combined efforts with our unique kind of uh, talents and understanding and desire to see something better for dealers as well. And the reason why you've got the two separate groups, Lawn Care Legends is closed off from the general public so that business owners can have that separate conversation about pricing structures without somebody who's a homeowner interject, in, inter, interrupting that kind of conversation. And the same thing is true for the dealer network. The conversation had to be kept in such a way that the dealers could feel confident to have those discussions amongst other dealers without the worry that their customer base was also listening into those and, kind of and how do you control the, the membership or the access to those two groups so that you do filter out the end user who w yeah. you wouldn't want um interacting with the conversations that are going on about pricing and discounts and goodness knows what yeah well on the request button to join any group, the admin team for that group can set out certain questions or criteria in order to be able to gain access to the group. So whether it was Lone Care Legends, we try to determine that they are self-employed or they're in the industry, and they answer just a few simple questions. Most people actually are not bothered to even answer the questions. So we're not worried about trying to be the biggest group. We're trying to focus on having quality 
of filtered audience uh, and membership. And it's the same thing for the dealers. We we set out the questions and the criteria. We ask what brands are they representing? Who are their sales reps that are for those brands? And generally, because we have that insight to the to the industry, we can determine whether somebody is somebody from outside the industry or whether they are talking about people that we know in, in those circles. So it's very filtered on both both ends. And what do you think uh, the dealers, what do they regard as the most tangible benefits of belonging to the network? Um, I think it's the same thing with the dealers as it is with Long Care Legends. It's a sense of being part of a wider community. Everybody is based in their own individual business, in their own town, and on digital platforms such as Facebook, where this group is is situated, it allows people to be able to come together in their spare time and have that interchange of conversation about relevant you know, topics. Another benefit fa- factor of the dealer group would be that it's a great way of getting dealers to talk to other dealers if they're looking for um, a part that is very difficult to source through suppliers. Maybe perhaps another dealer might have one. Um, or if there's a question about a, a, a machine that somebody's had difficulty with or not a huge amount of experience in, in doing repairs. So there's that change of knowledge and it's not directly with the competition who's maybe on the other side of town, but you're talking about dealers across the country. So there's a much more willing nature to share share that knowledge and experience and, and have a place of community for the dealers as well. Yeah, John, you talked about platforms just now, and we, we we read what's happening with Twitter at the moment. For, for goodness <laughs> sake, what's going to come out of that? Do you regard Facebook as the best platform for both of these groups? It's very difficult because we started off back in 2017 and 18 for both those groups. Twitter or sorry, Facebook has their own algorithms that can potentially cause problems with an artificial intelligence filtering through the comments or the posts that are put up and then can either give a strike against those groups, depending on what way uh, it goes. So an example of this would be uh, there has been, I can give you two examples, actually. One where somebody had mentioned the word garden hoe and the algorithm on Facebook flagged it up as uh, a breach of their community standards in relation to a sexual kind of content uh, on, you know, which we're talking about a garden instrument, but the artificial intelligence doesn't know any different. Um, and then when you go to appeal it, is that the our algorithm also defends itself by saying we're upholding the decision that was made originally. So this kind of puts the jeopardy, the longevity of the group, whether the these algorithms could jeopardize those community spaces. Another example would be there was somebody selling a, a product for sale and um, secondhand was posted in one of the groups and one of the members said, oh, quickly get that. You know, I'd snap his hand off to get that if I was you. And again, it was a breach of community standards for incentivizing violence. Um, So these are difficult challenges that are going on with the background of the algorithms within Facebook. So it will be very, very interesting to see what happens with Twitter, whether it becomes a multi-stage platform that is more than just a limited uh, amount of tweets that you can put out, but whether it can be video group settings, things like that. So it's it's very difficult to say at the moment but they serve their purposes from the beginning 
but how those things move forward after five years uh, is still yet to be determined, I would say. And uh, John, as you well know, the, the, the internet, the social media can be the wild west it really can uh go bananas in terms of its <laughs> if that's yeah. the case um in terms of comment how do you keep a lid on because obviously dealers get exercised with certain things that they see are wrong either by another dealer um a supplier a manufacturer or what and um, they feel that maybe posting their grievances, if that is the case, online will will help them address that. So that y- you must have to keep quite a close eye on that. How how do you do it, and what sanctions do you have if uh, if a dealer steps beyond the bounds of what you regard as being acceptable comments? Well, it's the same. It's the same understanding that there's freedom of speech, but there's no freedom of consequences when you use use that freedom. So the best thing that we can try to do is encourage good, respectful dialogue uh, with the best intentions. That is very, very difficult when some people can be emotionally tipped over the edge and their frustrations can boil over. On a number of occasions, I have come, I suppose, in head to head with people when they are writing their their views and opinions, and it comes across with no tone. And then when I've had conversations with those people on the phone, I am absolutely surprised at how, how easy it is to have a conversation over the phone than it was trying to text and have this conversation uh, on these platforms. So we're not in the business of censoring people, but we do acknowledge that throughout the course of the group, um, there can arise challenges where if somebody is putting something into into published format on a public platform, they can open themselves up to liable action by somebody who may feel that they have been offended or or treated unfairly by those those comments. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of people might laugh that off and say, oh, well, you know, that's that's a load of nonsense. But who needs a letter from a solicitor, from a manufacturer or from another dealer um, to come through in the post when they've already got, you know, in business, we've already got a lot of these challenges that we have to face day to day. And without the added pressure about worrying whether we're being taken to court and sued and paying legal expenses and things like that. So what we try to do is we encourage the members to try to keep respect at the forefront of what they're trying to write. That can be very difficult, like I said, and if it exceeds beyond that, well, then we have to take action either to protect the members of the group from themselves um, and what this could constitute uh, as we can limit commenting on posts. If we feel that a post is just dragging up drama with no intention to find a resolution, then of what benefit is it to either the group or the members that are there? So it's a very tricky one to navigate, and we do it on a point-by-point basis or on an individual basis as it arises. We will have internal conversations with the admin team um, to determine whether we should allow a post to continue. Um, Do we turn off the commenting? Do we take time out of our days to try and find out some of the information so that we can make sure that it doesn't turn into a circus show? An example of this would have been a couple of months ago during the, the summer, there was a particular post that was put up 
And uh, we had to turn off the commenting almost immediately because we knew it was just going to turn into a, a drama thing. And the worst thing about that is that people were going to comment without any information from one side of the fence or the other. Within about the space of 10, 15 minutes, I had phone calls from uh, representatives in the manufacturers uh, or distributors company, and the issue was resolved. And that online, particularly, it always seems to come from an online uh, topic that was resolved. And then we were able to open back up the commenting and the issue was resolved. So there was no further need for uh, a drama or a soap opera kind of element to to evolve from that post again it's all about communication isn't it john and and, yeah. and having spent my virtually all my life previous to um, speaking on these podcasts uh, in print journalism and being always very aware what you were writing was going into post as the author of that yes. um, i think everybody who posts have to realize that they are an author nothing more nothing less than an author and it's out there for posterity possibly unless it's taken down by by yourselves Uh, you you mentioned manufacturers i imagine manufacturers do keep quite a close eye that they don't post very often for obvious reasons (laughs) um but i would be very surprised if uh pretty well all the manufacturers are keeping a close eye on what's being said on the dealer network um do, do you have any feedback from them yeah, the, yeah. The, again, this is a, a case of uh, the communication uh, seems to be a, a point that is missing um, in some relations. And yes, there are many manufacturers or uh, people from those companies who are within the group um, who remain quiet, but it will become a topic of conversation either internally in those companies or they will be brought up in, in conversation either through phone call or even an email to my, to myself about it. And the best thing that we try to do is to have that inclusivity. So if I give Lawn Care Legends as an example, uh, most other groups would look down on having dealers within a group. And the reason for that is they perceive them as somebody who's just trying to sell the product that they have to make a profit off the back of these self-employed individuals. And, but the thing is that with Lone Care Legends, they're a valued member of the industry that provide a direct benefit and service to those businesses. And it is no different in the dealer network, having the manufacturer present and having that uh, combination of dealers and representatives and 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 whether it's managing directors or ceos having them there being able to see what's being discussed gives a better feel for what maybe some of those issues are the really difficult point though is that sometimes you can get a small minority of people who really latch on to a negative uh, topic that that just maybe keeps popping up time and time again and the unfortunate thing is that this then can become a bigger issue than um, than the, all the benefits of why the group works. So it's kind of one of those things where when the group was created in the beginning by the, the, the founders or the co-founders, the guys wanted to be able to have this chilled out, relaxed atmosphere for dealers. And when these individuals get high, um, overworked up by the emotional frustrations, I suppose, uh, that that peace of mind or that relaxed atmosphere can come become under jeopardy um, of 
being, what's the word, diluted down into something less. So it's very, very difficult to keep it all operating on a on a respectful level, particularly with so many questions in the air. But having the manufacturers there, I think this is opening up the doors for future possibilities for better dialogue, maybe better engagement and um, inclusivity between those different sectors in the industry. Do you do you set out in to, to, to the members, I'm talking about the dealer network, uh, any parameters uh, about postings, what some do's and don'ts and so on? Um, well, it any grown individual who understands basic reasoning would understand that when we say that a core aspect of the group is respect, well, then you, you should know as an adult what that really entails. And if you're veering off of that with your posts, we don't want to get into the nitty gritty of saying you can say this and you can't say that. These are business individuals who are, who we don't need to teach how to suck eggs. And the only thing that we try to do is point out the dangers of maybe crossing a line when it goes beyond respectful or into the realm of disrespect. Um, even if frustrations are high, that can create even more issues for them. So we try to give everybody the credit, the credibility or the benefit of the doubt for them to make um, responsible decisions about what they post. It's only when they cross those lines that then we maybe have to consider, should we or should we not intercede on these particular points? Um, but yeah, That's most, most people, most people, most people know that for themselves. But when they're in business and they, 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 they've got the whole business to, to look at, I think one of the, one of the big, big benefits, uh, John, um, is sharing good business practice um, yeah. amongst uh, members. Um, and really, I'll give a plug and I will name check one of your members <laughs> or member companies, um, and Hal Jenkins and M's down uh, in Wales. Yes. Um, I did a previous podcast. Um, and I do know that within their business, I guess the key to their business is communication, good yes. communication between them and the customer. And uh, And if you get that right, then that cuts out a lot of problems and you've got to know a dealer's got to know what what he is who he is what he yes. does uh what he offers and and stick to it really and not trying to be diverted into all sorts of channels that that really are are not really good for him or, or for the industry so you talk about maybe increased dialogue are there any sort of plans to um, expand the communication between dealers? I, I've kind of heard you talk about uh, a dealer get together, and I know you have a session at Saltex with Lawn Care Legends. Um, yeah. Would that be a possibility in the future that uh, you could gather the members of the dealer network to have a similar kind of gathering? Yeah, it's certainly something that uh, we're we're looking at uh, exploring. Again, when it comes back to this point of better communication and and a good interchange of business practice, we're hopeful that at Saltex maybe next year we should be able to deliver something for both the professional end users as we have done in previous years, and also for the first time ever put together some kind of conference for dealers with a panel of other experienced dealers in the industry who are willing to get involved and, and share their, their, their information. So that's probably something that I will run independently myself on the side of, um, the dealer network, just purely to keep the logistics and the, the organizing of that, um, as clear and simple as we possibly can. So is that we're not over 
crossing the lines of trying to turn the Facebook group into something that it's not. And we want to try and build that out to the very best of its benefits. But that's on the digital platform. And just the same as Lone Care Legends, we, we do the best that we can on the digital platform, but we also have the real world events. And so those are run independently of the digital spaces. And, and that's what we maybe hope to try and deliver for, for dealers later on next year. And, and, and John, for you, having started and created, being the, if, if I might say, the drive, driving force behind this, this group, what's been the most satisfying achievement to come out of it or, and, and possibly the biggest challenge that you, you've had? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. Um, the ben, the biggest benefit that has come out of it is the community of those individuals who are in the dealer side of the industry who feel like they want a place or a voice to be heard as a collective. And, and that's, that's something that I think you can find in almost any society. There's a lot of people who maybe feel like they're trying to fit in, uh, in certain elements of society, but we all kind of are running our own independent paths and journeys. And so when, when you feel like you're on the outside to a degree, there's definitely a bigger desire to feel, um, heard and, in the collective of a respectful environment, this has proved to be very, very uh, successful with both Lone Care Legends and for the dealer network. And that's probably the most rewarding is when I get the messages of people who are saying, I really enjoy going on the group every day. And people are taking out time multiple times throughout the day to be a part of that community. And when there was reference about doing a conference, the types of individuals who are wanting to get involved in that are, are some of the most well-respected and reputable people in the industry who want to see something created for better change. Uh, exchange of experiences and the dealer network pulling together. And this will also include the manufacturers as well. So this is an industry-wide kind of uh, collaborative effort, and that's what's been most rewarding. The biggest challenge of it is that you can't convince everybody that this is a good idea. You can't um, please all, all the people all of the time. <laughs> ex exactly. Um, there will always be some people who have something critical or negative to say. And there's uh, um, probably one of the biggest challenges for me is that by putting myself out there publicly, I become a target for some. And, I, you know, you get people who will compliment and send supporting uh, messages of encouragement. And then there will be other people who say all kinds of nasty types of things. Um, and that can be quite uh, unnerving. It can be uh, upsetting to a degree because at the end of the day, the only reason why I find myself on social media, and I would be happy to walk away tomorrow if it wasn't for the fact that there is a need for better communication in the industry. And I think that it's not a case of, one individual saying that they can do it better than the others. I think it's more a case of let's all try to pull together and do better together. And I think that's maybe the biggest thing that, that could come out of all this. 
Yeah, indeed. And 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 kind of lastly, John, I really do thank you for your time today. Um, is there any or are there any plans to to, to formalise membership in in a more obvious way? I do notice that uh, uh, in recent days there's been suggestions of maybe trying to identify the dealers as as a five star dealer uh, if they meet certain criteria. Uh, that that's been tried before, and yep. uh, and 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 maybe have a a code of conduct. Uh, do you think that's got legs? I, I think there's definitely room to explore how to lift up better education between uh, dealers uh, as a, as an independent business. Um, like you said, these things have been tried before, trying to formalize members, you know, uh, paid memberships and things like that. I don't think those are necessarily the best ways to go about uh, with a Facebook group. Uh, like I said, with, with the unknown certainties of algorithms, you could find you put in a lot of effort to try and do something and you could wake up in the morning through no fault of anybody and the group could be gone and all that time and effort wasted. So when it comes to those things, I think this is again where it comes down to the communication and between the different bodies that are there in the industry, trying to find a way of how to achieve those, those maybe higher standards. Uh, there are a few ideas that I have rolling around myself, um, which I think that given careful consideration, there are a few legitimate paths of action that could be taken. Um, but it would, it would not be something that could be achieved overnight. It would definitely take uh, some considerable uh, attention and collaborative effort on a multiple, from multiple different parts of the industry to achieve that. Um, so there is definitely room for it. It's just going to take the right strategy to do it because, unfortunately, even with taking time out for social media, it takes a huge amount of cost of time and energy to invest just in even the free platform of Facebook, never mind if you're trying to set up another business through it. Indeed. And uh, really, well, first, I actually must congratulate you on on the effort that you've put into it, because it is obvious that uh, the activity on the group, I'm talking about the dealer network group, has created a lot of benefits for dealers being able to find stocks that they couldn't get, check out service problems, uh, highlight other dealers to scams, let's say, and thefts. Um, and all that sort of stuff is well run almost sort of in, as an independent group within, uh, within Facebook at the moment. So, uh, yeah, more power to your elbow for, elbow for what you've been able to achieve so far. And, uh, and I think, uh, I think a lot of the dealers will, um, uh, will be very grateful for the opportunity to communicate because communication yeah. is at the end of the day is, is, is key, isn't it, John? Absolutely. Communication is definitely the thing that, um, I think if, if you don't have that right, people can get the wrong ideas. They can formulate opinions and become very, very defensive. But if you can try and find the way to uh, have clear communication, then you might find that the, the changes in tone and the solutions and resolution of issues can come about much more swiftly with clear communication. Definitely. And um, well, great. Well, once again, thank you, John. Uh, sitting in your mobile studio in your your van, which you've got beautifully set up there, and uh, I, I hear you uh, also podcast in all sorts of locations. So, uh, uh, how have mobile studio will will record, John? Thank you very much indeed, uh, Chris. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
It is clear that John works extremely hard to control the interaction on both groups and, in his words, sets out to achieve a chilled-out atmosphere online and that respect amongst members of the group is absolutely paramount. Now, we hear a lot about the sanctity of freedom of speech, but as John said, you can't control the freedom of consequences. Now, there is a debate about the future direction of the groups. Lawn care legends already hold both social and business sessions at Saltex, and perhaps the members of the dealer network may arrange something similar in time. In the meanwhile, the control of the online discourse between members of both groups remains John's primary focus, for there is considerable benefits in nurturing constructive communication but also real problems if that respect and chilled-out atmosphere disappears. So I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf.